Hello and welcome to this episode of Bring It In with me, Chris Holland from Charlton Morris. Um, for those of you who haven't listened before, uh, Bring It In is a podcast, community, series of events, all sorts of good stuff, all dedicated to people who work with people. So, you know, broadly sort of HR and the talent community. Um, today's episode is a really, really interesting one that I've, I massively enjoyed doing. Um, it's with Nick and Donald from, from One and All, who are a school uniform and school wear manufacturer based in Stockport. Um, what makes them really special is just that they are choosing to be really special about the way they go about things. So, you know, I'm not going to go into it all now, but some of the things that they do in the way in which they run their business is 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 really really fascinating and jaw dropping. And the conversation carried on after the podcast ended, and you know, I learned even more. Um, so, if you're a a, a leader or, or someone who wants to do things for the right reasons in the way that you run your business and you want to treat your people properly, and you know, you you really want to. You really want to learn more about things like B Corp or about living wage or or, or being good guys generally, um, then I really do urge you to listen to it because um, you know I I took a huge amount away from it and hopefully you do too. So I'll stop rambling on. Uh, hopefully you enjoy the episode and uh, thanks for listening again. I suppose do you want to kick us off by talking a little bit about your journey okay so uh, our business it was a third generation family business it was established in 1935 so like nearly 90 years i suppose um there was a bit of a culture mismatch between the shareholders and the leadership team so in 2015 the leadership approached the shareholders and we bought 60% of their shares to become majority employee owned in 2015. And uh, that was almost the start of us doing really well. Um, and we became a Bco in 2020. Sticking on the B Corp thing, I mean, to you, to you both, like what? What is a B Corp? What's it all about? Well, I, th- I think um, what why we did it really is that people seemed impressed with our credentials and that we were doing good and seemed to be a force for good. So when we found out about B Corp, we thought it would be good to check our credentials and to verify uh, where we were. Um, so that was good. We scored really, really well uh, at the time. We were the highest scoring Beco in the north of England and Scotland, uh, which we were quite pleased about. Really, uh, we've been best for the world for our workers' score um, since we since we certified, um, and and since then, really, we used the Beco assessment to check where we are and to improve and we're always looking to continually improve and um when we get re-accredited soon uh we hope that we'll score much higher but then we'll just keep testing and improving really i would just add to that as well i feel like b corp felt like the next natural step we've done quite a lot of work hadn't we in that last like well a long period of time really to be a better business to treat people better to have better relationships with suppliers and customers um, 
and and it fits so well with our values so our values of trust and like, honesty and care like real care and being better it just seems like such a great fit um and what i particularly love about b corp is it's not an assessment that you do you get an accreditation and you stick it in a box somewhere it's a living thing that yeah. you're constantly like improving against so it doesn't end once you get your accreditation you continue to reevaluate yourself against the standards so for anyone who doesn't who might be listening to this um who doesn't know what what is b corp well b corp is the highest um verified standards of ethical performance um and for us it's a, a benchmark of how we're behaving how we're conducting ourselves as a business and you know there's, there's lots of different parts to it and i know that when you go through the assessment you're assessed on different sort of areas of the business compared to the the b corp standard aren't you that's right um you know what what have been the direct, as well as, you know, all being obviously a fantastic ethical business, what have been some of the benefits of being a B Corp, like tangible sort of business benefits? Well, I think, I mean, I think one of them is the pride that our colleagues feel in the business is huge. Um, 100% of our colleagues feel proud to work with us, um, which I think is just amazing. Um, but I think there have been other things as well, like the like talent um, attraction to the business. So we have attracted colleagues to this business who are like really impressive, first of all, but who are driven to be with us because we're part of something bigger because of the way that we behave and the way that we conduct ourselves in the market. Um, so for example, we have a, a colleague who's our director of tech today who was really driven to be part of this business because of us being a B Corp and being employee owned and just um, you know trying to do things in the right way. Um, and in the last couple of years, we've also recruited two developers. Um, we spoke to agencies actually who said, there's no way you're going to get one of those. Um, and we actually got two um, and they're really good and they're you know, doing a really great job for us. And, and is it something that you're, uh, when people come and interview with you and are, are, are the people interviewing bringing it up you know, with you as though that's the thing that, that you do, that they're excited about that being here for that? We expect them to actually, and we critique them on that. So our, our interview process is quite a few stages to it, but one of the, the first stage of interview is what we term our culture interview. And the culture interview is in two parts. So the first part is where we ask a lot of questions about their drivers and what um, their values are to try to establish a fit. But the second part, actually, we ask candidates to ask us anything. And we, we actually tell them in the brief, like, forget anything you might have heard before about interview etiquette and really do ask us anything because we want you to. And we'll give you feedback on that. And our expectation is that, um, not because we want them to have done the research, but that people are, are asking us about B Corp and they're asking us about being employee owned and they're asking us about our credentials, the financials the things that they might have seen on company's house and the reason we're asking them to do that is because we want them to really get under the skin of who we are to make sure this is the kind of place they want to spend their future as well so, it's, so it sounds like that first stage is, is less is, is not really skills based at all those interviews it's much, much more about We'll talk about people's experience, but it's really about the kind of person they are. A lot of skills we find, depends on the role, but a lot of skills we can train and we can, you know, we can help people to be able to do the role, but it's much harder, I think, to find a person that, you know, um, that will fit into the, the culture of the business. Um, I think we've got a really lovely culture and a really open culture and one that we're dead proud of as well. But I'm also conscious that it's not for everybody. So this, you know, one of the, the big things I think is like we have a real honest like feedback culture so we tell each other the great stuff and we share that really openly but it's commonplace as well for us to challenge each other and say I thought you could have done better there yeah. and, and I think that fits with that kind of ethos of B Corp and I love it because 
Um, I've been here a long time now and I know where I stand and I always feel really safe and really secure knowing that people have been honest with me, but it's not always, um, you know, it doesn't suit everybody that. That's interesting because I think like that point about like holding each other accountable and, you know, driving performance. Because I think some people could see this sort of thing as, you know, a bit happy clappy. You know what I mean? Like people might look at this and, and, and see a little bit of like, you know, it's there's a lot of fluff and there's a lot of like, you know, everyone's having a lovely time. But like, I think that's a really important part of it, isn't it? The the driving forms. A few weeks back, somebody uh, accused me of being some sort of hippie. <laughs> Which, uh, well, obviously when you see and hear me, uh, that's the last thing you might think. And I, and I said to them, well, if it's hippie-ish to... Uh, Increase customer satisfaction from 43% to 100%. Employee engagement from 34% to 100%. To increase profitability eight times. If that's been a hippie, then I am. Really. So um, caring uh, about colleagues and customers and the workers in your supply chain and uh, about the planet and trying to improve massively delivers on business performance. There's a real strong link and that's the changing in business, I think. The old ways of running a business, an SME, have changed completely, but too many employers are stuck in the past. It's all about things like, which I don't understand, you know, like performance management and... um, short-term profits and shareholder primacy, um, which is ridiculous. I, I see that changing, really. That I mean, that you, did, you mentioned shareholders there, and um, interesting to, you know, so you, as well as being a, a B Corp, you're obviously employee-owned as well, aren't you? It'd be great to learn a bit about, well, I suppose the decision that went into that making that move and then, you know, what the ramifications of doing that have been. Yeah, really there's two ways of being employee-owned. One is where you have individual shares. That's called the direct model. But we went for the indirect indirect model, which basically is that all the shares are held in trust. Nobody's got any individual shares. Um, so we're not trading. We're not buying and selling them. Uh, wealth's not being accumulated um, based on that. It was set up to be for the good of everyone. Uh, And for us, we've got about 70 colleagues. More than half of us are in uh, traditionally low-paid jobs in like warehouse and on machines and things. But it's something for the good of everyone and building uh, a legacy, something that we can all be proud of, really. So that's... And and as I said, uh, our, our metrics have improved massively since we started to care for colleagues and move away from the traditional SME model. And you've both said it now, like you both, the word pride's come up quite a few times. Like it seems like that is, you know, it is, is, is pride from everybody working here being also synonymous with that like uptick in everything. Is, is pride a real driver? When we first asked that in, in our employee engagement survey, uh, and our big one we we hold on Blue Monday because right. that's when everyone feels worse, don't they? Apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so that's always a good time to ask people, I think. And I I I thought at the time 
maybe if like one in 10 or one in five of us were proud to work here, that would be like amazing. Mm. Because I've worked in companies where no one's been proud. You know, everyone's just in it for themselves. Mm. In fact, that's what our company was. It was full of like individual greed and selfishness, everybody. Not just the bosses, everyone. So, and I, and I, that that was my target. Really, could could we get like a fifth of our people being proud? And then when we were, when we started to get like hundred percent every year, I was like staggered yeah. because it's anonymous. You know, there's no blagging going yeah. on. You can mm-hmm. say what you think. We ask about people's pay and everything. Um, in fact, we've done a couple of cost of living crisis surveys we did one in june and a follow-up recently and one of the questions was uh are you looking for a higher paid job now most employers just wouldn't dream of asking no. whether anyway um i think we've got somebody that's looking for a high paid job <laughs> so at least we know that right. really but um they're the things that you want to know really how how much are you struggling and is it that bad that you need a second job or a higher paid job you know yeah. So um... I think the values are like really key in that though, because it's not just pride, is it? It's that like care as well. And I've worked for businesses in the past where they'll they have a set of values and they'll say we really care about people or we you know we you know we're really honest. And this is the first place I think that I've ever worked where people really live it, and that care is is true. So when we talk about performance, it's because if you've got people who care enough about their job and care enough about each other and the customer and the supplier that they'll really think deeply about things and do things in a different way then I think that's a big contributor to business success as well because you hear it around the business you hear people talking about what you know a decision that they want to make and wanting to make sure that it's the right one for for everybody involved and that pride thing though comes from obviously there's pride to to work here but having a great job with a great company means that you're proud in other areas of your life as well isn't it you just generally around it you know you just you just happy and, and and content and you know doing what you can and you, you you've you've mentioned as well like you know a lot of like communication and um and, and sort of clarity being important like how often do you survey your sort of people so um until recently it was once a year on blue monday now we do twice a year actually so we do one about six months after that so we're just trying to understand what the um you know if, if there are any changes if there are any seasonal changes as well um I think more important than that is the kind of culture and the way that people talk to each other here. So people really share, don't they? Like people tell us all sorts, you know, I I feel so privileged because people in this business are really open about the challenges that they're facing, what's going well, you know, we we know each other. um, And that means that we can then help each other and understand each other and, and overcome obstacles as well. And, and that looks like lots of different things, doesn't it? In terms of the way that we've helped people. I mean, um, there's, all sorts of examples, isn't there, in terms of we've, you know, helped people with things like if, if they want to go and see the doctor about their mental health, but they're really struggling to articulate themselves, they've asked people from the business to go with them and help them express themselves, you know, because they find it really challenging and that we do that because it's the right thing to do and we care about people, but that translates into something wonderful for the business where people are so grateful and, you know, and, and appreciate that so much that they want to work hard. Yeah. Yeah, we... we um so there's been a lot of talk f- for probably about a year on the cost of living crisis and lots of employers were asking us how we managed to engage people because there's like a stigma uh, of 
individual personal finance, you know, at work really. Uh, but we've been doing interest-free loans, crisis loans, uh, for like ten years, over ten years. And as as part of that, people would uh, obviously feel more comfortable talking to us because it's interest-free. It's not a payday lender, yeah. um, all that sort of stuff. Really easy terms, uh, but including uh, things like um, how to manage your finances as well, which is something that lots of people needed yeah. here. The stuff that you should be taught at school, but you're not, yeah. you know, how to budget and, and things like that. And and I think that that really helped people to open up and then to feel safe and, and to talk about that. And then to more freely talk with colleagues about it as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's allowed us to help people that were really struggling. So, uh, so we had somebody with severe gambling debts. Uh, we had somebody with uh, like massive credit card debt, oh. as well as the usual like crisis loans. At, at the time, half the country uh, working population would struggle with an unexpected bill of like 500 quid. Yeah. Now, it's it's like two thirds of people with an unexpected bill of a hundred quid, yeah. but um, lots of people have used that. It's helped them to budget better and and things like that. I suppose helped massively by the fact that we um, share profits fairly. Mm, right. So uh, we we'll really been wage obviously in living hours, but um, because we're majority, well, we're hundred percent employee owned, and that allows us to pay profit share tax free. Right. And uh, in the past twelve months, we've paid about three and a half grand right. individually. Oh, wow. So if you imagine somebody on real living wage, what their salary is, how difficult things are, three and a half grand, most of it paid in December when when families need it, has been like a massive boost as well. So I think that's really helped. 100%. people but but that engages everyone and people feel that they can be open and and share things and people have told us anything you know we've, we've really um i think we've proved that uh when people can share stuff we can really help mm. and that's helped them you know we um we've helped people through such desperate circumstances and, uh, and I think that's something that we're re really proud of as well. Oh, yeah, rightly so. It's really, that's, it's unbelievable. It's really inspiring. It's a great thing, isn't it? It's, it's, I think th there's an interesting, I suppose, yeah, m minor detail sort of, but like, and I know when we spoke a few months back, um, sort of getting this arranged and stuff, we'd briefly touched on it. But like, Nick, your title, your job title is Director of Colleague Support, isn't it? There's not, not a hint of, HR to that anywhere is there but there's quite strong feelings towards the term isn't there? we absolutely hated it to be honest because it just you know well it's it's for us our people are what make our business you know or for any business your people make it so um we what you know we and and I've seen people come into this business you know we're fairly small like, like I said we know people they have a real fear of HR based on past yeah. experience and, and we never wanted anyone to feel like that I want people to come into this business and feel I've got somebody who is like working with us and supporting us and actually we found that the more we do for people the more we do to help them more that translates into like business performance you know um 
um, it's a bit like what you just mentioned, that the profit share, Donald, gets everyone thinking about profits. Uh, you know, it's not yeah. just that. It gets everyone thinking about the profits we're making. You know, so it's not a fluffy, like, um, initiative that, you know, is just there for the sake of it. It's there because people think, right, how can we do something better to impress the customers, to get more business, to get customer loyalty? Um, you know, everything we do is designed to to support that. Um, and we have another benefit as well, which is extra holidays for achievement of customer satisfaction. So it's not, you know, it gives people more time, um, but it gets colleagues thinking about the customers as well and how we can give really great service. And it's a logistical nightmare, but a wonderful one because this year everyone got an extra week's holidays right. because wow. our customer sat scores were like that amazing that everyone got an extra week. So it's, you know, it, these things think about what's important to people like time and finances and, and the role that I play in the business, but they're quite commercial because they have a real impact on the business. But, but that like, um, how does that work then the, in terms of customer satisfaction translating into more holidays? Like what is it? Is it sort of a survey you send out to customers and that comes back and is reflected? Yeah, we so we use Net Promoter, right, okay. really, or a version of Net Promoter. And um, our scores consistently in the last six years have been truly world-class. And when you, when you get world-class customer satisfaction, you've got loyalty, uh, more easily forgiven the odd mistakes. We all make mistakes. Um, it increases sales, which increases profits. It's like great for everyone. Our customers love us. Actually, we've got hundreds of them. And consistently, they say that we're fantastic, really. And that's because everyone cares about them. And uh, the benefit of that is, yeah, we get extra holidays and you can see people like doing stuff which they wouldn't do in most companies to get to make customers feel better about us. So people talk about the extra mile, don't they, with customers, mm. whatever. I don't know what that means, actually. But um, for us, it just means that we really care about them and we'll do anything yeah. um, to, to make them happy. Um, but, Nick, what did, what did you want to be called as a, a title? Oh, we met somebody, right, a role model who was called, oh, what's she called now, director She's of... called Janet, Janet um, from Timpsons. Oh, director of happiness, that's yeah. what she was called. And I thought, oh, can I nick that? And I came in and I said, can I pinch that? And they just went, no, absolutely not. <laughs> it is an important metric, though, I think, happiness. Yeah. Really, you know, for everyone. Yeah. Not, not just our colleagues, but our customers. It's important that they're happy. But the workers in our supply chain uh, in really low-cost countries in the world, it's important that they're happy as well. It's important that they're treated well and that they're paid well and they're looked mm -hmm. after and they, and they feel safe. Mm -hmm. So happiness is so important for everyone, I think. I, I think the idea of having the customer... The, the the customer satisfaction linked to you know a direct benefit like obviously it's a profit share but the more holiday thing is really interesting that's obviously based on happiness because it's like it it feels as though that everyone's not, people aren't working in silos you know what I mean if every like if 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 the what might traditionally be called the HR function is really amalgamated into that performance management function and that's the direct thing and then it means everybody's pulling in the same direction it means that there isn't that separation which must you know, which means everyone's singing off that same M sheet, doesn't it? Which is yeah, definitely. But also, I think like the the trust level. So I and and the involvement in the business. So you know, there were two of us in our function, and we we 
are really integrated with the business and with colleagues and we're part of the team. We're not this separate function. And so we'll hear if there's a problem, we'll hear if there's a process problem and we'll be able to contribute to solving that for people as well. So um, I think it's, it's in all of that. And also I think what we've really tried to do is create an environment where people can bring their real selves to work where they don't have to like put their chip in before they walk through the door and behave like everyone else. We've created this environment where we've got people from all different backgrounds and different circumstances and we absolutely welcome that and people just be in their real selves and we love it and celebrate it actually. And I think that makes a massive difference as well because then you can contribute your real self to the business and that difference makes something really great. Slightly different topic, but you know, with everything we've talked about, so B Corp are part of it, but you know, a lot of companies at the minute are, talk, are talking a lot about diversity, DEI targets and all that sort of thing. But is it, does having this atmosphere approach sort of outlook attract all different people from all different backgrounds and, and, and help with, with that without having to sort of set that agenda? I think it definitely helps. I also think we've got a long way to go. and We've got yeah. a lot to, to learn in that area. I think, um, I suppose if I, would, if I would be recommending that businesses do something to help with that, one of the most valuable things actually that I've found in my role that contributes to diversity is engaging with your local third sector, right. actually. So we work really quite closely with a lot of businesses in uh, community organisations in Stockport. Um, and that's made a massive difference because they're really diverse, right? Yeah. So your third sector of, of do diversity really well. So we work with Stockport Race Quality Partnership. Is, who else? We worked with Owls, which is a domestic abuse charity. Um, who is it? I'm bound to miss someone because there's loads, isn't there? Who can you think of? Well, there's mental health. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we've... the the ESL. Yeah, so we've got a, a business in a company in Stockport called Wealthview House that works with people who are um, vision impaired or hearing impaired, and um, and it, and not only does that help you attract people because we'll run vacancies by these people and we'll say we've got a great opportunity. Do you know anyone? And they'll say yeah, and they'll send people our way, and that works really well. But also they we we do stuff for each other. So Owls, which was a domestic abuse charity, we did a fundraiser for them, and it. It was so popular. It was one of the most popular fundraisers we've ever done. And what we noticed was people started talking about the issue. So people were saying, oh, I experienced that or I'm experiencing that right now, actually. I could really do some, with some help. And we raised such a lot of money for them. that They, in return, did a training session with colleagues on how to support people that were experiencing domestic abuse. Um <clears throat> We did some polo shirts for a local LGBT charity and they've offered to do as a pronoun session in return, you know, and it, yeah. so not only do you learn loads and attract candidates, but you, you know, you, you just, it's like it's own little economy sometimes. If you're willing to give, then these businesses are really willing to support you in return as well. Part of the, um, the, one of the pillars of the B Corp thing is um, community, isn't it? And talk about that. And I know that like Donald, you were chatting a bit about earlier about the, I suppose poverty being a really, and the cost of living crisis mm-hmm. being a really key thing that you're finding yourself speaking about quite a bit. Yeah, so um, one of the things that, that we do, we do, do a lot of talks on cost of living crisis. We're, we're trying to influence employers. So uh, we published a blog and a survey for employers to send to their employees uh, across Greater Manchester. And one of the reasons for doing that is because I figured that most bosses wouldn't really understand what it's like to be in low pay or or poverty. Um, Some of them might care, but not understand. Not all of them care. Um, And even doing a survey to all your people, 
uh, to ask them shows that there's a level of care and you get some like understanding. So when we, some of the questions that were in ours were, um, are you on a prepaid meter? Mm. Because obviously at the time people were paying more um, for that privilege of paying in advance, you know, in cash probably. Um, and could we help by means of like interest-free loans and stuff? Uh, but we're asking people how how worried were they then? How worried were they about the next 12 months? Were they taking on more debt? Uh, were they taking on like a second job? Um, what were the, you know, did they want help in, in certain ways? And um, as a result of that, we were able to help doing more money management stuff. We were doing um, signposting for things like benefits. Right. So uh, obviously we we have people on uh, universal credit and stuff. So we're advising people about saying, well, nationally, there's 15 billion pounds a year unclaimed in benefits, whether it's on universal credit or whether it's in um, you know council tax and that sort of stuff. Um, some people thought that that was really um, helpful. So there's lots of ways that employers can help. Um, and on poverty as well, teaching pe people about, about uh, how bad things are. Mm -hmm. So in Greater Manchester, currently there's one in four children in poverty. Um, work, working parents with, with children in secondary school, going to, going to school that don't qualify for free school meals, having to take an empty lunchbox and pretending to eat because they haven't got enough to, to put in is is like tragic and trying to influence because actually in in that understanding of what it's like but what poverty leads to the the fact that it, it creates a uh, low self-esteem mental health physical health uh, and where we work in in stockport um if you live in the best end of stockport and there is one you know, you might not think so, but there is one. You live 13 years longer than if you li live in the poor end. That's as a result of, like, inequalities, but poverty is a big part of that. And especially as because we should all be trying to improve that. Mm -hmm. So really we're trying to educate people who should know anyway. You know, these middle-class white privileged bosses and lots of them in the B Corp community to understand what it's like, the cost of living crisis, what it really is. It's not just like going to uh, a wine bar, one less, you know, mm. a week or cutting down on a bottle of wine. This is like real stuff. This mm. is, so we're involved in, in things like slow cooker projects and providing um, ingredients and slow cookers, um, which is obviously is really nutritional. Uh, but also a, ch a cheap way, really cheap Do way of of, yeah. of doing it. And um, so, yeah, we, we should all be trying to help. We should all have more of a social conscience, I think. Um, so we just try to make employers think more uh, about, um, well, the lower paid and the less well off. And it's pretty criminal that uh, employers don't pay the real living wage, I think. I mean, just that, like, some of those statistics you mentioned there are absolutely, like, outrageous, aren't they? It's shocking. Like, and, but, and, and, but the thing I think that's interesting about it is that you turn the news on every day 
and it is mentioned on the news every day. But it is, I don't know, it's, it, it, uh, you know, for a lot of people who they might feel like they are doing good, be it at work or whatever, you know, that white privileged sort of middle class thing. But like, there isn't a, the tangible stories of what makes people go like, oh my, like, that's the thing, you know, like you mentioned there about the people in the same town in 30 years longer going to school with an empty lunchbox pretending like it's like, it's absolutely horrifying. It's like, yeah, it's a terrifying thing. Do you think you like you? I always feel really proud that on our board we've got quite good diversity as well, and I think that's really important. In that, there's enough people in that group that have experienced that for themselves actually that they can really appreciate what it's like for colleagues. And I think that's another reason why diversity is so important is because if you can appreciate those challenges of like struggling for money and being raised in an area that's considered a, a poor area, then you can really relate to people and support people. Um, and I think as well, another like these things like gain momentum, don't they? And for us, what we've seen through championing that cause and talking about it is not only the benefits to our colleagues, but our colleagues want to help others as well. Mm. So our colleagues collect for the food bank and they've fundraised, haven't they, for the slow cooker project. Mm. And so we can do even more good by talking about that because people take it on as their own and really, really want to do something with it. That exponential good. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? But how crazy is it that the I mean, the statistics change in you know o- over a twelve month period? But it can range from um, one in five to one in eight workers in the UK paid below the real living wage. Oh. More likely to be female, much more likely to be black or Asian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the things that most of us probably aren't aware of. Um, we need to try harder, don't we? And maybe one of the ways is uh, pay differential because the fat cats uh, just are too wealthy. They just get too much money and it doesn't filter down, yeah. really. And that's what we've got to... That's the future of humanity, I yeah. think, in society. There's got to be the wealthiest in the world have got to give up some of their wealth for the good of everyone because... Half the world's population is in poverty. And if we're talking about that in the context of the hugely privileged, you know, first world developed nation of like England or the UK or whatever, then like that's, and we're talking about that in, you know, and what a lot of people would be, you know, dying to live here. They'd they'd really love it. But even that's happening here, then you don't even think about like the global south and all that sort of thing. It's a terrifying message, isn't it? That's such an important thing to to touch on and talk about. And I think it's a great thing to have um, gone into because like it just shows even more like the fact how much like you too, but also the whole company was to live and breathe this whole thing. And it comes right back through to that, um, that I suppose being having a company with integrity, a business with integrity and a B Corp and all that sort of good stuff that you mentioned. But like, I suppose just to sort of wrap up, if there's people in companies that want to you know want to be you guys are a lot further down the line here you know you've been doing it for years and doing that but maybe there's someone's come in and you know like you did a a few years ago and say right we want to be better like have you got any sort of tangible tips or insights or things that people could do as initial steps to try and get on that journey to becoming if not a b corp but then certainly a more responsible business well so what i would say to everyone as a in business or individually, is do an impact report. Uh, where are you now 
and uh, where do you want to be? Set yourself some targets. Um, you know, there are these talks about, oh, turn your uh, boiler down a bit or don't boil a full kettle. Just set some easy targets and then just measure it um, as an individual or a business. As a business, like measure, try to measure what it is that you're doing and set yourself some things. Um, do the B Corp assessment because it, it's free. Do a survey of all your employees and find out what they're thinking. These are like no-cost things, which are pretty easy to do. I, I That question makes me think about that we've been on this journey, right, from being a not-so-great business to a business we feel really proud of today. And I think if you, if you depend on where you are on that journey, the, the biggest thing for me is just to be real with people and be yourself and be honest as leaders be prepared to admit your mistakes and talk about them openly be prepared to be like your real self in the business because that gives colleagues courage to do the same then and I think once you've got that honesty and that real comfortable relationship with people you can pretty much overcome anything together I think and you can always be better amazing great well um I mean is there anything else that either of you wanted to chat about or if you haven't mentioned or anything you want to bring up oh. I think one of the things that I'd like to mention because um, if if you're a trading business and if you're buying stuff from around the world, really care about the workers in your supply chain. Mm-hmm. Have they got a voice? Uh, what's the pay like? What are the conditions like? Uh, do they feel safe? So um, our biggest supplier is in Bangladesh. And we wanted to say thank you to the workers. So we were were exclusive with a factory that has about 300 workers. Uh, We wanted to say thank you. So usually we do things like we buy like household goods, you know, like a kettle or an iron or things like that. And we we had a look in that country and we we thought, actually, the biggest problem uh, in this country is like dirty water. So what can we do? So... um, the clue is always, what do the rich people do? Right. So the rich people have these big, fancy water filter machines, not these little crappy supermarket things. Yeah. And uh, so we decided to buy everyone one of those, and we've been doing it every year. I think we've been doing it for nine years oh. um, since. And um, that's made a real difference actually uh, and um somebody came in that that was engaged by uh, the department for international development DFID, when it mm-hmm. used to exist um they they did um a, a confidential survey of like all the workers and they said that um their doctors bills had halved what the pain in medical bills had halved mm-hmm. um through clean water. Through clean water, yeah. yeah. So um, this is a country where life expectancy is low, infant mortality is high. So uh, I think we've given um, more than a 1,000 machines uh, over that time. Uh, the workers earn more money because they're, they're in work more often mm-hmm. and they, they feel healthier anyway. Statistically, we've probably extended lives We've improved the health of thousands of people. We've probably saved lives, actually, mm-hmm. um, and could easily have saved infants' lives for something that's pretty low cost, mm-hmm. that we're really massively proud of, that people should be thinking about in the world. 
what's like pretty simple doesn't cost much which will make a massive difference and as we report on that internally every year the pride that we all have that we've made a real difference you know not just donating some money to some thing for a, some csr tick box thing but showing real care and seeing the smiles mm. and the gratitude of, of these workers is something like inspirational that's that's amazing <laughs> what a great thing that is that's a a, a a fantastic way to end um a, a great conversation thank you both very much for that it's it's such an inspiring like story and journey and like the whole work that you continue to do is just like so interesting and for me and i'm sure anybody else who's had the pleasure of listening to you to talk about it so yeah thank you very much cheers thanks guys Thank you for listening to this episode of Bring It In. With this series, we're always looking for debate, feedback and conversations. So to ask me a question or discuss a topic, get in touch at childtomorrowscom slash bringitin. That's also the place where you can see new episodes, live events and more. Thanks again for listening.